You're listening to the Solution Focus Podcast, the official podcast of the UK Association for Solution Focus Practice. And I'm your host, Alan Parry. In this episode, I'll be talking to Chris Ward. Chris is a mental health nurse and he's a well-being advisor at the University of Surrey. Amongst the many issues faced by university students is the life or death issue of suicide. We have a wide-ranging and fascinating conversation about suicide from a solution-focused perspective where Chris shares the four-step process that he uses in his daily work with students. So let's listen to Chris Ward. Well, welcome, Chris, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks very much. Now, before we get started, Chris, I just thought it'd be useful if you could kind of give us an outline of what you do and who you tend to work with in your daily life. Yeah, okay. So I'm a mental health nurse. I'm employed by the University of Surrey um, as a wellbeing advisor. Um, so I'm working mostly with students, kind of 18 to 21 year old um, students at university. Um, but then I do also see kind of people doing postgraduate studies. So they could be older um, and I occasionally see members of staff as well. OK, and how did you get interested in solution focused? Right, OK, I mean, kind of by accident, really. So what happened was um, we have a team of counsellors where I work. It's, we're kind of broadly, we're kind of like a service um, divided into kind of counselling and advice broadly. Um, and I'm in the advice side of it um, as a nurse. Um, and so the counselling team sort of developed an interest. They're, they're, they're kind of, they're just interested in working in a, in a briefer way, um, which is something that's been happening in universities, um, sort of particularly led by Cardiff University, actually. Um, sort of looking at how to kind of cut down on the amount of sessions and that kind of thing and work more efficiently. Um, so so our head counsellor actually got in touch with Brief um, to organise some training, kind of an introductory training for the counselling team. Um, and because part of my role um, has been kind of to um, talk with clients sort of in an, in an initial appointment and then signpost to something that seems appropriate, um, it made sense that the advice team also went to that introductory training so that we would know when we would be kind of yeah suggesting, oh, this might be someone who would benefit from solution-focused therapy is kind of what we were thinking at that point. Um and then actually, as it turned out, when we had the, the two-day training, um, it went down well with everyone. The counsellors were you know, sort of quite impressed, um, although largely kind of thinking of it more in terms of there's elements of this that I might bring into my practice, um, you know, but kind of really thinking of it in a kind of intricative way. Mm. Um, whereas I was just blown away by it going, yeah, this is, this is the future for me. This is, <laughs> this is right up my street. <laughs> so um, as, it, as it turned out, yeah, it was quite revolutionary for me more than anyone else, really. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it kind of then informed um, quite a few changes in the way that I work. Um, although, you know, I'm still working within the same remit, still achieving the same outcomes, but just kind of doing it um, through a different way of holding the conversations I hold with people. Um, and what I've found, kind of things are kind of well documented um, that will be familiar to a lot of people they would have read about and experienced themselves. Um, things such as just kind of feeling very protected against burnout. It's kind of that in particular something I've really noticed that um, I'm just 
you know, constantly enthused about my work in a way that I might have been intermittently before, but it's much more kind of consistent and and kind of reliable these days. And why do you think uh, that? Why do you think that change has happened? That you're much more kind of consistently enthused and much less prone to burnout. Hmm. Um, I think I think actually just the the nature of the work, the fact that yeah, I mean, the, what what it's really about. I mean, as we all sort of we're all sort of saying to each other, it's got the wrong name. It shouldn't really be solution focused. Um, probably, I mean, closest I've come to it is is maybe kind of outcome focused. But um, really, what it's all about, um, I would say, is hope, um, and that's the thing that kind of comes through the clearest. So. There's there's something about spending all day having conversations with people where at the forefront of your mind is hope um, that just kind of, you know, it kind of instills that in your own thinking and your own kind of way of interacting with the world. So you're kind of hopeful and, um, I don't know, optimistic, but probably you know, on the pragmatic side of being optimistic, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And you make an interesting distinction, I know, between solution-focused therapy and solution-focused practice. I wonder whether you could elaborate on that. Yeah, well, really, I mean, yes. So that's that's really. I'm I'm very clear. Always have been really that I'm not a therapist, um, and I mean, largely where I'm coming from with that is that therapy is something. I mean, if you look at a dictionary definition of, of therapy, you'll generally come up with with something along the lines of it being um, something that's kind of that's administered to someone in order to kind of heal them from a sickness. Um, Whereas I don't tend to think in those terms, never have really. I've kind of thought of it like in my role, wherever I've worked as a nurse, it's, it's more been um, that I'm kind of just kind of alongside the, the client, the patient, and whatever they're, they're called, wherever you work. Um, in their kind of journey, um, I might be kind of um, recommending treatment or therapy or something like that, but it's not something I'm directly administering myself in a conscious way necessarily it's it's more that i'm just kind of alongside them interested in kind of where it is they're trying to get to um so you know which which all fits with kind of solution focused process thinking yeah. uh, kind of thing um so it's partly that but it's you know having said that um you know this is an approach which was originally developed by therapists um something that therapists find very helpful in their work um, and, uh, you know, much in the same way that we're kind of saddled with the, with the term solution focus because that links to the evidence base. Um, you know, there's some merit in still sort of, you know, describing it as a therapy because that also links with kind of therapeutic outcomes and that kind of thing. Um, but the thing is really what we're talking about it just is just a way of holding a conversation with people. Um, and, you know, you don't need to be a therapist to be doing that. So, so I like to think of it as just kind of just in those terms, in which case it's something which is applicable um, in all sorts of professional spheres. Um, and we're, we're kind of, um, you know, we're kind of discovering this now, I think, as a, as a kind of community where increasingly it's, it's, it's becoming something that's used in kind of business. Um, I mean, in this country, particularly social work, I think was probably the, like the area yeah. that kind of adopted it most of wholesale early on, at least. Um, you know, but all sorts of spheres, it kind of, you know, it strikes me, it kind of fit very well with kind of sports and science and kind of coaching. Um, you know, we, we know it's kind of got a role in coaching anyway, and there's, there's very little difference in the way it's done um, in order for it to be a distinction between a therapeutic session and a coaching session. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's got broad application. So I like to just kind of think of it as solution-focused practice yeah, um, and, and solution-focused therapy being one aspect, one application of that practice. So, so in my case, um, I would, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Chris, yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say, in my case, I mean, one way of, of kind of describing it that I would look at it is kind of, it would just be to say that I'm, I'm like a solution-focused mental health nurse. Yeah. And, and in terms of the people that you're working with, you were mentioning that you're working with um, students at the University of Surrey, so they tend mm-hmm. to be 18 to 21 with some postgrads as well. What are the kind of particular issues that affect um, people at university of that kind of 18 to 21 age that you see? Mm, yeah um i mean it could be anything and the thing is i like to think that it could be anything as well so i mean yeah. there are you know there, there are kind of particular things that yeah i mean just because of the context there's certain things that are likely to come up in conversations so people are quite often going to be talking about studies um and kind of their social life and sort of adjusting to university life and that kind of thing those kinds of things come up the thing is i i I try very hard not to be too saddled by expectations so i like to really kind of go into any meeting with anyone with a completely open mind about what it might be that they're coming to talk to me about and what it what what actually what their context might be what the issues could be for them what do you think that open Um, mind gives you you know you say you i mean that resonates with me as well actually but what that blank slate approach of of going in without any expectations what what kind of difference does that make in your practice do you think it means that um you can be, you can kind of get very directly to what it is that's, um, you know, a concern or something that a client wants to change. I think, um, whereas otherwise, you can kind of, you you can end up going through a bit of a kind of tick list exercise before you hit on the thing. Right. And there, there's a bit of a danger that if if you're kind of going to go the other way, um, I mean, the thing with with solution focus working is that, you know, one thing that really kind of marks out is that. 99% of the time what you're doing is asking questions. It's, it's not completely wholesale, but it's, it's, it's curiosity. It's, it's led by your own curiosity. Um, so instead of kind of saying, so, you know, you know, how's this going for you? You know, how, how are your friendships working out? How's your accommodation? What are your studies like? How are you doing in your studies? How do you get on with your parents? All those sorts of things where you're just kind of going through a checklist of all the possible um, you know, issues that might have led them to see you. If you're just kind of saying, you know, so... Um, well, I mean, particularly if you're kind of talking about what it is you want to get from this, what is it you would like to change, you know, what are your hopes, that kind of stuff, um, then you're, you're cutting out a lot of time and, and um, you know, and, and you're reducing the, um, you know, the, the, the danger of kind of influencing what it might be, because um, quite often people will come to us kind of expressing a sense of not really knowing what the problem is they just don't they just don't kind of feel right they don't feel at ease in themselves they don't really know why um and there's a danger if you start making suggestions um that they'll kind of pick one i think and sort of go oh yeah well that's probably it yeah um so i mean whereas yeah i prefer to just kind of let them have that space and time to kind of yeah kind of get their own sense and articulate it in their own way instead so that kind of checklist that you refer to that that either has the effect of actually getting in the way of their best hopes because you're talking about things that they don't want to talk about or, or even worse when they don't know it could lead them in a direction that actually is an inaccurate direction yeah exactly yeah you could just yeah you, you could just spend a lot of time talking about stuff which which isn't really going to be of any consequence now what one of the things i did want to talk about because you wrote a really interesting blog post on your on your blog which we'll, we'll mention at the at the end of the interview um you wrote a really interesting blog about suicide. So be, before I get into the details of that, can, can you give us some sort of um, context 
about the kind of prevalence of the risk of suicide in a in a university environment where you've got young people maybe away from home for the first time yeah um i mean it's it's a it's a it's a large sort of general kind of preoccupation in higher education i think um at the moment i think it's you know it's something in society anyway um but there's there's a particular focus in the media and that kind of thing but we saw it kind of over the summer um this year particularly kind of leading up to um the start of term at universities um that coincided with a lot of articles appearing in the national press about you know the increasing prevalence of suicide at university um it just it just seems to be a preoccupation um whether or not Strictly speaking, it's actually something that's that's occurring more often or not. I think is probably open speculation. I think broadly speaking, um, there's kind of evidence showing that it 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 may well be. Um, I don't know. Personally, I'm a little sceptical of all kind of research, to be honest. So I'm I'm, I'm not too sure. I, th- I think the thing that's that's very clear is it's something that's being talked about more and more. Yeah. And that's the thing that comes across to me. So it's, it's just a preoccupation. Um, and is it something as, that you've you've experienced yourself as a as a as an advisor as a well-being advisor that people have come to you and you've realised that there's a, a potentiality for suicide there? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's very common. Um, okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, people talking about having thoughts of ending their life um, is something that probably comes up in most of the conversations I have with people. I think actually. In oh, course really? Of my work. Mm. So, yeah, so, it's, it's a very common thing. I'm, I'm curious then, because that's I'm I'm guessing that some of those conversations is what's the best way to put this? It's kind of like they will be saying those things, but not have any genuine intention of 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 going down that road. They're kind of speculating mm-hmm. on a potential mm-hmm. sort of you know solution in, in in inverted commas of of whatever they're struggling with and that there'll be other people won't there who will talk in those terms who will actually be much more serious and much more ready to actually take action yeah. on that yeah. what tells you when you're facing someone who is talking about ending their life what what tells you that they're at, at actual risk rather than rather yeah. than more idle talk Right. Yeah. So now the thing with that is, is to be honest, that's kind of what I'm getting away from. Um, and it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of my interest in solution focus working. that's kind of leading me away from that a bit. Okay. Um, there's, there's a couple of books in particular, um, which I would recommend, which are kind of Heather Fisk's Hope in Action. Yeah. Um, and John Hendon's Preventing Suicide, a solution focused approach. Um, and so I'm sure, actually, what I'm about to say is probably more articulated, um, sort of, you know, better in their books. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of got me thinking along the same lines as, as those two authors, really, which which is really, um, but actually, if our kind of knee-jerk response, which is a traditional one, is kind of, it's like the accepted norm still, really, is to try and, like, get a sense of how likely is this to happen? Like, is this person actually saying that they're going to end their life or not? Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a natural um kind of like internal response that we have through our kind of concern for the people we're talking to is that that question is likely to come up in our minds um so traditionally i think you know the 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 kind of the approach has been to try and work out how accurate that is and 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 actually going back to like i was saying about tick list that's um a lot of kind of um sort of the traditional ways of responding to um 
to people expressing suicidal ideation would be to start going through a bit of a tick list. Mm. Um, but there's the same flaws, you know, in, in doing that to what I was sort of talking about earlier. Um, so really, I'm, I'm tending to kind of yeah, think of it less in terms of kind of working out, you know, is this person saying they're actually going to do it? And do I think that they are likely to actually end their life having gone away from this conversation instead of doing that? Um, then I'm just kind of talking with them about, you know, what it is that they would prefer to be doing. Um, and, I mean, really, the the whole kind of thrust of a, a solution-focused conversation is, is about what it is you want to change in your life. We're talking about in-life changes and, and a preferred future and that kind of thing, in which, you know, you're alive. You're kind of, you're not going to be experiencing it unless you're alive. That kind of goes without saying. So just by following that process... Um, you're kind of co-constructing a future in which they're they are more likely to be alive. In which case, you don't necessarily need to really entertain trying to come up with an answer as to you know is this person going to take their life or not. Instead, you're just discussing with them. Okay, so if you are going to, then you know what's it going to look like, and you're just kind of helping someone to go in that direction. So it's similar to what you were saying before, then, isn't it? So this kind of checklist approach. Much like mm. when someone first enters the room, you can either spend time coming up with a checklist to try and get you to guess better as to whether the person is serious or not, or you could mm. use that time trying to build the preferred future, build the hope that would actually keep them alive because they feel hopeful. Is that kind of exactly. how you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is, actually, I, you know, personally, I would I would kind of err on the side of saying you're never actually going to know, um, you know, in, in the same way that you're never going to realistically ever completely um be able to see the world through someone else's eyes or you know kind of perceive the world in the way that another person does you can only get um some impression of it you know which is going to be sort of filtered by your own interpretation and your own experience and that kind of thing um so you're never really going to know um you know i mean there's 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 all sorts of things that have kind of come out of i mean largely out of um uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, inquiries when people have, have died, kind of coroner's reports and that kind of thing, where, where people have gone, there's there's certain common fact, there's certain things that people might say or be talking about which would show an increased likelihood, you know, increased risk. Um, the thing is, you know, um, you know, as we're very aware, there's always exceptions, um, for one thing, to any of those rules. Um, and actually, it's such an exhaustive list as well. It's just a very inefficient way um, of trying to determine what you're trying to determine. You could, you could spend a lot of time doing that um, and at the end of it what you might have um, is is some sort of percentage idea of kind of you know which is kind of giving you a sense of how safe this person's going to be having gone away from your conversation um, the thing is that the real question for me is kind of what you're going to do with that information um, and and ideally what you want to be doing is something constructive that's likely to lead to them being safer um, so there are things that you can kind of um, recommend to people, point out to people things like, I mean, we, we kind of routinely, um, where I work, and I'm sure, you know, uh, like everyone does everywhere, is kind of remind people about um, services such as Samaritans. Um, we have um, like a drop-in service that's open every evening, um, separate to the university, but there's a thing in Guildford and that people can drop into and go and talk without an appointment um, if they're feeling vulnerable. Um, things like that you can kind of tell people about. 
Um, but there's a difference between kind of knowing those things and actually um, what it is about the person. It's kind of like their reason for doing that is the bit that's left out in that in that process. Right. Um, and I think actually that's that's the thing that that holds the key to kind of continued survival and going towards a better life is is actually people having a good strong sense of of why they're doing that and, and what's what's important to them what it is what it is they're hoping for essentially it's kind of what we're talking about so it's it's so, that, so that's the bit yeah so it's that hmm. sense isn't it i think um you know i've heard it said that people people don't really want to commit suicide they 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 don't want to end their life they want just want their life to be significantly different and so you, yeah, you focus mean, on the difference that that might be that they might actually be wanting yeah, I mean, a, a common thing that, that comes across to me, yeah, is it's what people are talking about is wanting to end their suffering. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, yeah, in which case ending their life is one way of doing that. Um, and there's, I mean, you know, at one level, I think, you know, our brains do sort of work at a very logical kind of level um, to some extent where it is, it's it's kind of, you know, if if you were to kind of, program all, all of this into a computer and, and say okay so what are logical ways that you might end suffering then yeah a logical answer one of them would be um well to end your life um however you know there, there might be other things that you know if if things were to just change a little bit for someone if, if opportunities were to present themselves and that kind of thing um then you know there might be other things that they might get out of a continued life um, yeah. In which case, that wouldn't be the best option. Um, so, kind of being clear on that, then, then what might be the other options? What would be the other things that might kind of get you through, um, so that that opportunity might kind of come closer to you? And, and that, that's that's more the level of conversation that I like to. Yeah, and there are so many stories like that. Under people who look back at their own lives and talk about the time when they were very close to ending their own life, and and are so mm. grateful for the fact that they're living the life that they are now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it's kind of, um, I mean, I, I like to think of it as kind of, it's, 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 it's basically what we're talking about. It's kind of crisis. It's, it's when someone's kind of reached a, a crossroads, um, which is very difficult to kind of know how they're going to get to where they want to get to. There's all sorts of directions they can go in. Things are difficult right now. Um, so it's, it's kind of a crisis. Um, but those crisis points quite often are the, the, the catalyst for, you know, for great changes happening in people's lives. And it's, I think it is, it's quite often the case um, that actually people kind of struggle so much they can be in such an awful situation um, that they'll kind of reach that point. If they can get through that point, then what it is they've used to kind of, to get as far as they had at that point and to kind of hold on to be, saying, you know, how am I going to get out of this? What it is they're using in that moment? Um, all of that is is what they've got to take forward to, you know, be going in a in a great new direction. It's quite often there's a lot of energy that comes out of it. Um, and I've, I've certainly um, sort of met lots of people who've who've gone from that crisis point of, of entertaining thoughts of, of ending their life to then go on and do extraordinary things that they never thought they would ever be able to do um, and, and making amazing achievements of, of you know, surprised them and everyone else around them. So, so it's kind of like the resources and strategies that they've used to overcome this crisis that, that one option was suicide, but they, they decided to choose a different option ultimately and that the resources and strategies they've used to get them over that hill are then with them for life and then they become resources and strategies which actually build something really very hopeful yeah yeah so, i like that how do we put that yeah okay <laughs> <laughs>
Well, one of the things that you put in your in your really interesting blog post, you you talk about a four step process that you uh, that you use in these kind of situations when someone is I in do. crisis. And yeah. would you would you be willing to to lead us through what those four steps are? Because I'm sure people would be interested. I would. What I'll do is very quickly get the blog up on my phone so I can remember what it is myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let me see, because this is, you know, I just, I kind of come out with this stuff and then it's gone quite often. Um, all right, let's have a look. It's, it's, so, I'm sure it's something it's that you're doing kind of in the very fibre of your being, so you don't really need absolutely. the That's blog post. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. I mean, it's very much, yeah, I mean, the writing has been an interesting exercise for me because, um, yeah, I mean, that is kind of the level that I operate at is where I just kind of do it. Um, and then the and blog post is an opportunity to reflect on on what it is that you're doing so you can share it yeah, with others. Yeah, that's right. And actually articulate it. And then, yeah, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's something which, like in everyday life, really, to be honest, quite a lot of time, if people ask me what it is I do and how I do it, then I'm a bit at a loss of how to, well, to that, really describe it. So the blog post helps me do that, yeah. It very much reminds me of that process of the, the formation of Solution Focus in the first place where... You know, Insu Kimberg would be doing something and Steve DeShazer would be kind of writing down what it was she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the easiest way I can describe it, the way, the way that I work, I mean, it's actually just my approach to life. Um, so it very much sort of comes into my work um, is just to follow my heart. That's what I do, really. Yeah. Um, right. Here we are. Yeah. So I found it. Here we go. So the four, yeah, the process can be summarized as, right? Yeah. So I've got a four step process, which is, yeah. So number one is acknowledging the crisis. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is very important. It's kind of, um, that's part of the, the respectfulness that I like about um, Solution Focus Well, if you, if you take us through all four, then we'll, we'll go back and dig deeper into, into and then each we'll go of them. Yeah. On each. yeah, okay. So, yeah, so acknowledging the crisis is step one. Yeah. Step two is a pause. Um, so, yeah, if you just take a pause. Um, step three is acknowledging the hope. Um, and then step four is establishing the client's choice of direction out of the crisis. Okay, so step one is to acknowledge the crisis. Step two is yeah. to pause. Step three is to acknowledge the hope. And step four yeah. is to establish what their choice of direction is out of the crisis. Yeah. Okay, so w when you talk about acknowledging the crisis, mm -hmm. what does that yeah. look like, you know, if another practitioner yeah. wanted to try that out? Mm -hmm. So what it means is someone's coming they're saying um you know things are the worst they've ever been for me um right now i can't see a way forwards um and you know i'm i'm thinking every day of killing myself and you know they might have even kind of thought of ways of doing it and all that kind of stuff now um i'm making a deliberate choice there just to acknowledge that that's happening for them um and putting aside any kind of judgment that might be coming up in my mind as to whether or not kind of, you know, are they just telling me this because they, they want to kind of justify um, using up my time? Um, you know, are they telling me this because this is a, a genuine cry for help, that this is someone who's close to, to ending their life? Um, you know, are they, are they telling me, you know, in the midst of telling me this, are, are they actually saying that they're going to do it or that, do they just want me to say it? All those kinds of thoughts I'm, I'm putting to one side. I'm just acknowledging what they're saying. I'm just, I'm just taking it. I'm just trusting them that they've got a good reason for saying what they're saying, um, you know, and there's something going on behind it that's led them to come and see me and they're hoping that, you know, things are going to change as a result of it. So I'm just going, okay. So quite often 
um, my response to that will just be along the lines of just going, phew. Um, you know, or just or just repeating back something they've said. You know, so someone said, you know, I'm having thoughts of ending my life. I'll, I'll go, wow, you're having thoughts of ending your life. Um, and, you know, I just, just want to kind of acknowledge that, you know, that's, um, that's going on for them. Whatever it is um, behind, you know, the words that they're using to describe it, I just want to acknowledge that that's real. Yeah, in that so moment. you're turning off your interpretive part of your brain and you, you're just yeah. trusting them, which I think is a radical yeah. thing in itself, isn't it? Just to trust yeah. the person who's in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. That's, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's another aspect of yeah the practice, which is, yeah, something that I would say um, that's kind of changed um, in the last year and a half that I've been working this way compared to before, I think, yeah, if I'm, if I'm kind of, yeah, brutally honest with myself about it, then yeah, I'm trusting people more. I think before I might have been more inclined to be sceptical. And, and just, to, um, just to follow that so, yeah. little tangent, if you don't mind, what, what difference has that made to your practice and to the service mm. the, the people you're seeing are receiving from, just from the simple fact that now you're trusting them rather than being sceptical of them? Um, it's now it's actually quite a hard thing. I, I could talk a bit about you know the differences made for me, which which kind of goes back to like I was saying, it's you know about kind of feeling more protective from burnout. I think it ties in with that because it yeah. means I've got a very clear conscience. Um, you know, it, it makes me you know I feel I'm being genuine. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm kind of um, it's you know it's a it's a, it's a genuine um, integrity kind of thing um, yeah. that I'll kind of recognise in myself. So that's no, so it kind of makes me feel more confident that I've, I've, that I've kind of done something useful in my work and that it's been, you know, something that's useful for other people, not just for me in order to kind of earn a wage and that kind of thing. Um, so, so there's that. Um, now, it's the thing that I would personally actually, which I'd be really interested to find out if ever as a way of doing this, is kind of the difference it's made for my clients. Um, and you can only really kind of get snapshots. You you only get, you know, you get sort of some feedback from people. People kind of say things. Um, but yeah, even then, see, it, again, even that is, is open to your interpretation of what they're saying. So it's very hard to really get a handle on. But something people do seem to be saying, as far as I can kind of make out what people are indicating, is that they're kind of feeling like... Um, well, I mean, it's kind of, it's actually kind of what I'm saying, really, that they're kind of feeling like they're talking to someone who's being genuine with them. So someone, someone who's um, genuinely interested in them, um, you know, beyond kind of a professional contract. Um, but like, here's another human being who seems to kind of value me. It's kind of something like that. It's along those lines. It's kind of the feedback I'm getting from people. Um, people do talk a lot about feeling they've been listened to in a way that they hadn't experienced with other professionals. Yeah, so I get that a lot. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you're trusting them, and if you're curious about them, that's that's a lovely thing to actually receive at the other end. Yeah, someone um, said to me um, oh, about a week ago or something, and they said, "Oh, this is very different." They said, oh, "You know, I've seen lots of therapists have spoken. Been, they've been in hospital and that kind of thing before, so they've spoken with other nurses as well, and you know, and doctors and all that kind of thing." Um, and they, they, what they said, which, which I which I took as a compliment, I, 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 it was good feedback for me to hear. They were saying that this this felt like a more natural conversation. They said that this didn't feel like I was talking to someone who was trying to work me out and trying to kind of you know 
Um, and and sort of yeah, he, he said he, they've had a sense of talking to people before, and it's like they're trying. I think they said they were trying to do a jigsaw puzzle. Uh-huh. It's like they were talking to someone, and uh, like the experience with them was like they're talking to someone who's who's seeing them as a puzzle that they're trying to work out. It's, um, and they said they didn't have that sense with me. It felt like they just had a very natural conversation instead, um, and that was quite wow. refreshing. Yeah, that so, really yeah, is should, powerful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and and all from yeah, trusting so. the client. Yeah, basically just that. Yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's little things that I'm kind of saying to myself all the time, which is kind of, you know, there, there's, there's got to be a good reason, whether I know what it is, why this person is sat in front of me, why they're saying these things, um, and you know, and and actually, yeah, I'm believing. I'm choosing to believe. I'm, I'm, you know, saying to myself, I believe in this person's capacity to achieve what it is, whatever it is they want to achieve. And actually, even whether they've accurately told me what it is they want to achieve or not. Um, whether we've really kind of, you know, completely uncovered that or not. Um, I believe whatever it is sort of deep down, whether they're able to express it, you know, in words or not, um, I believe that they're able to do that because people are, you know, I've kind of witnessed it many times, like I've alluded to a bit earlier. Um, You know, people are capable of extraordinary things. So it's it's holding on to that belief that this is another one of those people who's also capable of doing those extraordinary things and just believing in that, even when they're telling you that they can't and that they're rubbish and they can't do anything. You're kind of going, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're sort of saying that um, and, yeah, acknowledge that and that's kind of where you are right now. At the same time, you're a human being and therefore, um, actually, I believe that, you know, you can, you've got the ability to turn this around because that's part of being human. Yeah, lovely. So if I bring you back again, having taken you on that lovely tangent, yeah. so yeah. acknowledging the crisis then is is a relatively, um, it might just be like you say in the word few or the word wow, or, or just a, a simple repeat of what the person has said that the kind mm-hmm. of, you know, is, is your contribution to just receiving and acknowledging what the person has said? Yeah, I think it's a moment of kind of connecting at a human level yeah. in a way. And then Which I think is a really good place to start. Absolutely. And then step two is the pause. Now, what does the pause yeah. look like? Um, so, yeah, yeah it would be quite literally. Someone's just said something like that to me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stop um, to allow the kind of the gravity of it to whatever extent it's there sink in for me. And um, I kind of, I suppose... Um, to kind of sink in for the client who's just said it as well. So it's, you know, it's 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 a it's kind of like a moment of reflection. It, it, it's just a natural thing. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the way I come up with these four things is by kind of reflecting on what's happened rather than kind of coming up with an idea of what would be useful, if you say. So, and I, I think it's something you know that we can all kind of relate to. That you know, you know, in any in any situation where you're just talking with another person. So it's you know, in any area of life, whether it's at work or just generally, when someone said something pretty kind of close to their heart, whether it's a, a good or a bad thing, there's a natural thing that happens between people where both of them will pause you know you'll kind of go wow um and you just sort of have a moment for that to sink in so uh, i think that's kind of like the next step in the process that's that that's what that pause is all about so it's really interesting to me that because those first two steps in terms of what you say as as the person who's in the helper role um if i can categorize it as that that Mm. in terms of what you say in those first two steps it's really quite sparse isn't it it might just be that you said mm. few and then mm. just had this pause, a literal pause, 
where you just mm. kind of let the gravity of that sink in with both people. So the mm. the, the person as the helper is doing saying mm. very very little in those first two steps. Yeah, yeah, that that fits with kind of my 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 personal kind of concept of solution focused working. Yeah, um, is kind of away from the techniques really. Okay. Um, so I yeah, so it kind of fits with that. Where where for me it's kind of it's an attitude. It's kind of a way of being. It's like the way that I would describe it. It's kind of your being solution focused, if you like. Um, so yeah, which is which is and a lot of that is kind of internal dialogue and 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 literally the way that you're looking at someone, um, you know, and viewing you know what a human being you know, involves, kind of what you know what that means to be human and, and that kind of thing. And, and that that's what it's all about for me. So it is this thing of. Um, kind of, you know, recognizing um, the like inherent resources that people have, um, and really believing, um, you know, that they're going to be able to utilize those, and all that kind of thing. And, and all of that is just something for me, which is just kind of going on, you know, in my brain, which isn't, which I don't say out loud. So yeah, I mean, you know, so so, so a lot of this is 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 an unspoken thing. It's yeah, there, you know, there, there's a moment of pause where I'm kind of going, wow, this person's really going through a tough time, and you know, somehow there's a there's a chance here. There's a this is an opportunity for this person to you know turn this around to then have an amazing story about how much better their life turned out and all that kind of thing. And and that's that's what I'm doing. And, and I'm I'm I my belief is that kind of just by having that going round in my head, somehow that will be coming across. Um, and it, it doesn't matter too much what the words are that I'm saying. It's it will be coming across in my communication to the other person. So that could be happening in silence as well. Yeah, because there's two ways to communicate, isn't there? One is through words and another is I don't know whether to use the word energy, but I'll use it anyway. It's it's kind of the energy mm. that goes on between people and comes. So you're communicating in that way as well as verbally. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, what I found is now because this is you know partly about me is is because I'm not. Um, well, I mean, I recently slight tangent here, but recently discovered that I'm dyslexic at the age of age of forty seven. It kind of okay. took me that long through my life before. Um, so. So as a result, I mean, it is, it's kind of, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always kind of struggled with um, kind of remembering techniques and things. If ever I'm taught anything, then I'm, I, I generally kind of, this is like I say, why I just kind of follow my heart. I just kind of do it because if I try and think about how is this done um, with anything that I'm doing, really, that's when I start to trip up, really. Um, so, so that's the way for me of, of doing this most efficiently and, and consistently is just to kind of hold on to like what's behind the techniques that people teach. Um, hold on to that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the sort of the, you know, the kind of beliefs, uh, the sort of the ideas about people and, and change and that kind of stuff. And then, then what I find is that, you know, if you're kind of, if you're thinking that way, if you're kind of being that way, you're, you'll naturally, you'll have that natural curiosity and your questions will sound like solution focused questions anyway. And you end up saying the sorts of things that you would, you know, sort of, you know, be taught on training sessions anyway. Yeah. So I, I like that. So for you, um, solution focused isn't just a set of techniques. It isn't just a process. It's actually a philosophy. And in terms of your practice, you're kind mm. of using the philosophy much more than the, 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 being attached to the techniques and stuff and finding the when you approach things from a solution focused philosophical mindset that the rest kind of happens organically yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, I mean, the the thing to bear in mind is that all of the, you know, all of the sort of the taught techniques that we've that we've kind of you know that we've got um, have all come out of trial and error. It's and yes. you know people observing what's happened in in kind of you know um, sort of powerful, effective conversations. Um, so they're just they're just examples. But but where they came from, it wasn't you know it wasn't like you know one day. Um, well, in fact, we don't. We know um, from from brief as an example is you know the thing of saying to people what your best hopes from our talking. Um, you know, we know for a fact that it wasn't the you know the three guys at brief sort of sat down, stroking their chins, and and said, now what would be a really good opening question that we could ask in order to to kind of do this? It was it was just that one day. Um, one of them kind of found themselves, you know, with that with their attitude, just kind of saying, "Okay, so what are your best hopes while I'm talking," and just just noticed that that was particularly effective. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, so it's it's not actually, it's not the technique; it's what's behind the technique. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I was listening to Eve Lipchick recently on the Simply Focus podcast, um, and that Dominic and Elfie do, who were guests mm. earlier on mm. in this show. And she was saying things very, very similar, actually, that she was uh, more interested in the kind of philosophy rather than the technique. So I think there's a lot of resonance going on between you and Eve Lipchick. Mm. That's good to know. I'm in good company there. <laughs> <laughs> so the third step, then, we've done acknowledging the crisis and we've done the pause. What does acknowledging yeah. the hope, step three, look like? Yeah. So that yeah kind of ties into yeah the idea of holding that belief in in, in people and people's capacity yeah um, which is and I mean you know the very fact that this person sat in front of you um, you know it's if if someone's talking like this they've you know I mean generally what's happening is that they're they're describing having already been in the situation where they've they kind of made a decision they've already been at the point where they're seriously considering um, doing something self-destructive and maybe even kind of ending their life. Um, and now here they are sat in front of you. Oh. So, um, you know, so, so they've, they've done something else. They've kind of taken another option and there, there has to be a reason for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's where the hope comes in. So it's, 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 you know, so it, it's really, it's kind of acknowledging the fact that there's something, um, keeping this person going. There's some reason why they're still alive and sat in front of you having this conversation, there's a reason why they've chosen to come and talk to you rather than like their next door neighbor or something like that. So, so they're, they're hoping for something to come out of it. Yeah. Um, so, so I like mm. to just acknowledge that. Um, and there's all sorts of different ways um, that you might go about that. And I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, probably the most literal way is to kind of say to people, okay, so, you know, so, so having, you know, sort of established that's, that's your situation right now. That's, that's how bad things have got. Um, you know, if we now talk for an hour or so, what are you hoping will will be the outcome of that? You know, or you know, another way of putting that is what are your best hopes now from our talking in that case. Um, something I, I I find myself saying to people quite often is, is what are you hoping to get out of this. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so something on those lines. Um, in, in doing that, you're you're kind of implying your assumption um, that there's a reason for them having this conversation with you, which is to do with their hope. That they're next time they're, you know, they're in that situation. They're they're also hoping again they're not going to end their life. They they want to be doing something different, um, because there's 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 some hope there that by doing that by by living a little bit longer maybe things might change. And what what so kind of what kind of answers do, do people generally give you? Like the kind of person who would come in and say 
this is the worst it's ever been. I'm seriously thinking of ending my own life. I've thought of various mm. ways in which to do it, but I'm here. And mm. you've gone through the first two steps and you ask them the question about what they want to get out of this. What are, mm. what are some typical answers that people would give in that moment? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's as many answers as there are people, really. So, mm. yeah, all sorts of things. But um, something that's that's quite interesting, yeah, quite often that I'll, that I'll hear people say is, you know, that I don't actually want to do that. It's, um, they, you know, so basically they're just saying they want to live. Okay. Um, you know. Powerful. Uh, yeah, and it's, you know, they're, they're just, you know, I mean, a lot of people sort of say it's, you know, it's frightened them that they've they've come that close. You know, it, even if they haven't actually come close to doing it, just the fact they're even thinking that way is something that's frightening them. Um, in which case, I'm kind of interested in why that's frightening. Because, um, you know, usually the reason why you're, you're frightened of something is because it's kind of, um, you know, well, there's all sorts of reasons, but one of them would be because that something is getting in the way of kind of what it is that you want or there's a there's a threat to you know your um continued existence because you're you're hoping that your continued existence is going to lead to something um and have some implication um so now something's come along to threaten that um and that's at odds with what you want so you you end up frightened so it, it's kind of it's that kind of thing. So, so really what we're talking about is people kind of, you know, actually, you know, in, in their core, really wanting to kind of carry on. Um, but just, just finding it, it's really just not really knowing how they're going to get back on track. It's kind of, you know, kind of answers along those lines. It's kind of what people are saying. It's, it's usually sort of about, yeah, getting, it's either kind of getting back on track with what it was they wanted to do before they started thinking this way. Or it's it's wanting to kind of leave the past behind and go in a better direction and have something along the lines of what they've seen around them that other people seem to, to have, which they they feel they haven't got and you know they want their life to be more like that. So it's 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 all sorts of answers that kind of indicate that kind of thing. And that leads really nicely then, doesn't it, onto step four, which is to help them establish their choice of direction out of the crisis. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the bit where really I'm kind of asking people about um, what's kind of, you know, particular to them. It's kind of, um, so yeah, which which really will kind of be, I think probably the, the typical kind of question at that stage that I might be asking someone would be kind of, so what are your options here? Um, you know, what, what are the other things that, are the, you know, that, so, and uh, something else um which yeah, I won't talk about too much in, in, in detail right now, but there's, there's, there's another aspect to, to this kind of work is, is kind of thinking about past, present and future um, and kind of time and that kind of thing. So, um, so, so with that in mind, I'll sometimes say to people, you know, so what are the options you've considered before? What are the options that you might consider? Um, you know, things that you've heard about that you've never tried before. What are the things that you're doing right now? What what are your options? What options occur to you right now in this moment? Um, and actually, kind of, yeah, sort of looking at past, present, and future, and 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 pulling out the common threads from from those sort of three different experiences as well. Yeah. Does the miracle question is that something that you tend to ask, or or is that no. is that a difficult question when someone is feeling suicidal? Um, I don't think it would be a difficult way. I think it would fit beautifully. Um, mm. I mean, the the origin of the miracle question, you know, was that Insu had a, a client telling her it would take a miracle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a very natural response to that is, okay, so, you know, if, if there was a miracle, if a miracle did happen. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a very powerful, useful tool in, you know, in, in certain contexts. I personally don't 
use. I've, I've, I very rarely, I, I have asked it, um, but it's not my kind of default. Um, and what I'm tending to do increasingly these days um, in the way I'm working is I'm thinking more in terms of moments, in terms of life kind of happening in moments. Um, and so I'm trying to think. So, so the, the way I would normally kind of do this, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it a bit like a microscope in a way. Um, so if we're looking at, you know, like a possible future, um, you know, possible way forwards from this point, um, then, then kind of what I'm doing in my head is kind of thinking of it a bit as if I'm kind of looking through a microscope where you kind of start out with the, the broadest magnification. Um, so you're just talking generally about what you might notice. Um, and then I'll ask sort of, yeah, sort of, okay, so out of all of those, what might be a particular thing and kind of home in. So, um, and kind of get really into the detail and then open up and then look at a different part of the slide and home into that detail and that kind of thing. I'm talking in quite an abstract way, I'm just aware of. So, I mean, what That's it actually, okay. yeah, well, what it actually kind of translates to is what I'm tending to do is kind of say to people, having established what it is that they're kind of hoping for, what, you know, what, what direction it is that they, they want to be going in. Um, what I would then kind of do is kind of go, okay, so, you know, what would you notice that would show you that's happening? And um, people might sort of broadly, they'll talk then in general terms about kind of where, you know, I'd be sort of laughing and smiling more and that kind of thing. Yeah. So then I'll kind of hone in a bit more and say, okay, so tell me about a situation, a typical situation you might find yourself in, um, which might have a different quality to it. Something, you know, where you might notice yourself this time um, doing something differently because you've got a bit more of this thing that you want. Um, and you're, you're getting right into that situation. Um, so I'm actually kind of being led more by the client about what they're choosing would be a significant moment in which they would notice some change happening rather than kind of, um, yeah, sort of, um, sort of predicting that this might be something that you notice when you first wake up, even though, you know, the miracle question or the kind of tomorrow question isn't literally doing that. It can kind of, there's a, there's a chance it could be interpreted that way, that you're kind of implying that this would this would start, you know, you, you would notice the change happening at the start of a day, um, and a, a traditional safeguard against that is to kind of go through the day, I mean, in which case you're going to hit a point, a significant moment at some point. But I think by just allowing the client to kind of pick out that moment from the outset, I think that's probably even more direct. So I'm tending to do it that way, really. Yeah, because the miracle question for those who are unfamiliar with it, it, it basically says that if there was a miracle overnight while you were sleeping and you wake up and there was no kind of clue that there was a miracle because it happened while you were asleep what's the first thing you'd notice and then the the yeah. helper would basically take the person through chronologically throughout the day whereas what what mm. you're doing there is you're still building a future um mm. but you're you're using a different form of words which mm. in your experiences it, it helps the client to pick their own moments in in the day, their own pits, their own significant points. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it might even be that we're still talking about about a miracle. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm more inclined to sort of say to people, you know, if if somehow I don't know how this is going to happen, yeah. but if if somehow it did happen, um, then yeah, what might you notice? Yeah, yourself doing differently. What might you notice about yourself? What might other people notice that's different? Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, so so rather than it being, you know, so if what would be the first thing you notice when you wake up? It's kind of what's the first thing you would notice generally? And then how would that show up in a particular moment? What might be a situation you'd be in? Yeah. Um, you know, well, so it's, you, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. 
What do you think the benefit is of asking these future focused questions? So not like the question that you've just said, mm. which is like, supposing this was happening, what would you notice? What What's the mm. plus point of asking questions like that, would you say? Mm. Um, well, it's, it's, it's really as simple as it making it real. Um, and it certainly, I mean, a lot of people, now this is something actually, yeah, which I have had as, as feedback from clients is, is where they've, where they've, they've said to me that, um, it seems to be a particular thing kind of when you really go into detail about particular aspects and really hone in on detail. Something people kind of have said to me is that it made it very real. It seemed like a real tangible um, thing that, you know, so the possibility of that happening seems a bit closer because, you know, it's, it's been such a vivid, you know, it's like they've lived it. Um, now, so the, the way I kind of, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm on board with um, Steve Deshaies' take on on that in um, words were originally magic there's a there's just a little line in there that says that um you know language is reality um and i mean it kind of it actually ties in i've, I've you know i've, I've got a sort of passing interest in science as well as i kind of i view myself more as an artist than anything else to be <laughs> honest but i also um but i do you know I, I find science fascinating as well um and there's an area of science you know to do with neuroscience that's particularly interesting and we're we're, we're kind of at the minute, neuroscientists are kind of uncovering a lot of kind of scientific evidence um, that, you know, literally the way that our brains work, we're literally kind of constructing ourselves moment to moment. Um, so we are actually constructing our own reality. Um, in which case, then actually, yeah, kind of describing something in um, in real vivid detail, in, in you know, in lots of detail, um, means that like in our brains, we are, li we're actually constructing that reality. So, it, you know, so it is actually happening. It's kind of, um, you know, if you don't want to completely buy into the idea of it literally happening in that moment, then, then, you know, the, the way that I would kind of suggest another way of looking at it is kind of you're rehearsing it. And I think that's, that's yeah. what people are doing. It's kind of rehearsing their, their future. And, and sports people have been doing this for a while, haven't they? I, I remember David, David Beckham used to take free kicks in his mind, even when he wasn't on the football yeah. field and, and his muscles mm. would react to that, apparently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the thing um, you see skiers do when they're at the top of a slope about to sort of launch themselves off to to go and do the giant slalom in the Olympics or something like that, where um, you can see they'll kind of, they'll they'll shut their eyes and like hunch over and they're moving their body, um, you know, as if they're going down the slope. And so they're rehearsing it. And yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure what they're doing is, is kind of yeah, recreating the experience before they do it. And that's essentially what you're getting your clients to do when you're having your yeah. conversations. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a way of kind of it, it's it's an understanding of what's going on. It's an interpretation in itself. In it, you know, at, at the end of the day. But that's yeah, to my mind, that's kind of the experience. That's kind of what's going on. And it for me, it kind of feels quite tangible. I find myself in conversations um, where I'm getting a really. It's it's such a powerful, vivid. Um, moment that someone's describing that I'm really getting a sense of it as well and you know I have these kind of yeah. profound moments which I'm sure you know everyone can kind of relate to works uh, as well yeah I relate to that you know, I, I get kind excited of too something. yeah yeah that's it and, and, <laughs> and you can see it you, you see you literally see the person become someone else you, you're kind of sitting looking at them and they changed in front of you and you're, and you're kind of going yeah you are that person I can <laughs> see it <laughs> yeah so yeah absolutely so it is it is um yeah language kind of yeah you know is reality well, kind of yeah Thanks very much for sharing that process with us, Chris. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and getting your take on, on solution focus and also solution focus in this, in this particularly sensitive area as well. 
Um, where can people find you if they want to read more of your your thoughts on these topics? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, go to would be my blog, which is um, keepcarmansolutionfocused.com. I love that name. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's actually it's it came back by accident. It's it was a, a Secret Santa um, gift that I had. Oh, wow. Someone bought me a a mug. So yeah, I think I might have an image of it on on the blog somewhere. Um, but yeah, we did a Secret Santa kind of yeah a few months after I discovered Solution Focused, and um, and particularly in those first few months, I just would not shut about shut up about <laughs> it, and um, to the point of probably boring people a bit. So I've kind of reined it in a bit now. I kind of keep it to myself a little more. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so, so one of my colleagues, um, yeah, we did a Secret Santa at work, and someone bought me a mug <laughs> that says "Keep Calm and Solution Focused" on it. Yeah, you were clearly um, talking yeah, which about I also that. I have it on my desk in front of me all the time. <laughs> so yeah, so that was the natural choice of the name for the blog. Yeah, I just took a photo of them. So that's yeah. keepcalmandsolutionfocused.com. Yeah. Brilliant. And and what's the name of that particular article that we've been discussing? Yeah. Um, I think it's a matter of life or death or a matter of life and death. Yeah, it's uh, July. Yeah, it was published in July. There's a thing on the blog post where you can kind of, it says archive and it just goes month by month. So if you click on July, you'll see it in there, a matter of life or death. Okay, that's brilliant. Well, thanks for your time, Chris. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, so have I. Yeah, thanks very much. So that was the final episode of Series 1 of the Solution Focus podcast. We'll be back soon with Series 2. In the meantime, I'd love some feedback and I'd love some more guests to talk to as well. So get in touch with me at podcast at ukasfp.org and let us know what's gone well what would you like different? And who would you like to hear on the show in Series 2? And that, of course, might even be you. So please do volunteer. Now, while we're waiting for Series 2, keep an eye out for some solution-focused nuggets from the interviews we've done so far to keep you going. I'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Solution Focus Podcast the official podcast of the UK Association for Solution-Focused Practice. To find out more about us, visit ukasfp.org. That's ukasfp.org. Now, our best hope is that you'll spread the word by sharing the podcast with your friends and on your social media. Even better would be to rate us on Apple Podcasts so it's easy for others to discover the show. And if you'd like to contact us or even be a guest on the show yourself, just write to podcast at ukasfp.org. That's podcast at ukasfp.org. Until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.